Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Deeper Dive. So glad that you're tuning in today. Uh, I am just super excited about what we're doing today on the Deeper Dive. Uh, typically, uh, you are hearing from some of our teaching pastors as we are talking a little bit more in depth about the text that we've been walking through. And this summer, we've had a unique opportunity to just kind of pause, and we've had some special guests that have been able to join us, and that's exactly what we're doing today. We're going to pause from our Ecclesiastes series, and we're going to take a break, and we're actually going to hear from some special guests. And I'm going to introduce our first special guest today. That is Aaron White. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Hey, good, thank you. Aaron serves at Bethel Church as our Global Outreach Associate Director. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. All right. And just discovered that that stands for GOAD, which sure. we'll, we'll just go with that. So Aaron <laughs> is our GOAD, and she is here with us today. Aaron, um, you are with us today, not only because we want to hear from you and all that's going on global, but can you introduce our other special guest to us? Yeah, sure. So we have Anne-Marie Neckadum with us today, who, if you were able to be at the Richland campus recently, we got to hear from her there. But if you didn't, uh, we just got to be able to hear an update from her, and she got to share a little bit uh, during the sermon with Dave Dawson. Awesome. Very yeah, good. It's great to be here with you guys today, too. Yeah, Anne-Marie, thanks for being with us. And uh, you are our special guest. Aaron is also Thank our you. goad and our special <laughs> guest as well. Um, but... Uh, Emory, you're here and you serve officially um, as, we're going to talk about where you serve, but you are actually supported by Bethel. You're one of our individual missionaries. And Aaron, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So we have missionaries that we support as part of our global endeavor. We also have partner agencies globally as well. So can you explain what does Bethel do in the global space with these various partnerships? Yeah, sure. So as Bethel with Global Outreach, we have six partners who are agencies. And with these agencies, we support them both financially and we send short-term teams to serve alongside them. Mm-hmm. And we also have people like Anne-Marie who are missionaries. And so this is going to be individuals and couples that are serving in various ways around the world. Gotcha. And so Anne-Marie fits into our supported missionary category. Supported missionaries. Mm-hmm. So when you say partner agencies, mm-hmm. Bethel folks would be familiar with. What are some of those yeah. Agencies. So those are like AIM and HCM okay. and AMG in Greece. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's six of them total. Okay. Um, and those are the ones that you'll see that we have teams go to. And um, sometimes they come and visit too, and we're able to feature them and share about them too. Awesome. So we have six partner agencies. And then yeah. we have what would be your best guess to date of like individual missionaries, individuals, and families that we support? I think we're about between 10 to 12 right now. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I, I know that sometimes we don't hear from those individual missionaries mm-hmm. as much as we hear from these partner agencies. So, yeah. Anne-Marie, it's really awesome to hear from one of our missionaries <laughs> that's in a really unique uh, unique place in South America. Um, that's not one of the places that we talk about often, but we have a missionary that's there. And so you're in Bolivia, is yeah, that right? Yeah, that's true. I've been in Santa Cruz, Bolivia for the last eight years. Okay. All right. So for those of us that are 
um, geographically challenged. <laughs> Can you help us to know where is Bolivia, what is Bolivia, and what in the world is Santa Cruz? So Bolivia is right in the center of South America. So if you were to look at South America and look at the country that is not touching any ocean and mm. surrounded by all other countries, that's Bolivia. Okay. So it's one of the, it's the landlocked country of of San of Bolivia, or I mean of South America. Yeah. And then Santa Cruz is kind of in the very, very center of okay. Bolivia. So it's in the lowland side. Okay. There's the highlands of La Paz, which you'll sometimes hear about being mm-hmm. like the highest altitude city in the world. Mm-hmm. And then Santa Cruz is, is in the lowlands portion of Bolivia. Okay. And is it still in that kind of Andes? We're at the elbow area? of the Andes. At the elbow of the Andes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, Good. So, so sort of in the Andes, but also just dipping down into what would be the Amazon. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So I did look up Santa Cruz because I wanted to know where it was, right? (laughs) And maybe people are looking that up right now as they're listening to this. But Santa Cruz is not a small city, right? I mean, it is a couple million people. Yeah, almost three million now. Almost three million. Very different from where where I've grown up and where I'm used to. That's incredible. Three million people. So not a small place. Mm -hmm. And so, Amory, what's your role there? So I've been serving in a ministry with families on the street for the last couple of years. And like, as you're saying, it's a big city. And so it brings a lot of people from the country there because it's an industrial area. So people come looking for jobs and then a lot of those people can end up on the street or just through generations of of poverty, generations of um, drug abuse that kind of leads people to be on the street. There's a really large population of street children. So we're talking about eight-year-olds that are living on the street. Um, and then those children grow up and have their own families. So now we work with a lot of families that are just generations on the street. Mm. And I've been working with the children and um, the adolescent girls. So that's kind of my role for Mm. the last couple of years, walking alongside of them, teaching Mm. them about Jesus. And then I've also been helping kind of in a social work kind of role. Mm. So getting them connected to the government services that are available. A lot of times they don't have paperwork. And without paperwork, you really can't do anything. You can't Mm. get medical care. You can't go to school. So they really need paperwork. That's Mm. kind of one of the roles that I'm in. Also helping them get connected to healthcare. Mm. And um, yeah, just some of those other kind of government services, which a lot of times people don't know that they can have access to. Mm. So that's been kind of my role at El Jordan for the last couple of years. Wow, wow. So listening to your accent, my guess is you did not grow up in Bolivia. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. I'm actually from Washington State. Okay. So I'm from around this area. I grew up in Dayton, Washington, okay. which is about an hour and a half from the Tri-Cities area. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did you get connected to, we'll talk about Bolivia, but how did you get connected to Bethel? So I actually graduated from the University of Idaho back in 2012 and found a teaching job out here in Tri-Cities. Mm. So I moved out to Tri-Cities to start teaching. And then was looking for a church and heard about Bethel. So I came and my very first Sunday, I went to like the connection booth and, <laughs> and the person at the connection booth got me connected to small groups and what was at that time Abide, which was the young adult group. Mm. And so I just started going and instantly found a really great community mm. and just really loved my time at Bethel. Mm. Then I started doing some serving with the local outreach team. So they were doing ESL classes at the time. So I was helping out with the ESL classes and just Really enjoyed that that year that I was here at Bethel before moving over to Bolivia. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? So from Bethel to Bolivia or from Tri-Cities to yeah. South America, what, yeah. I would say there were a lot of different things that were influencing at the time. I took the perspectives class okay. during that year here at mm. Bethel, and I also just really loved that. I would say that God had already been working in my heart 
for his mission kind of before that. But that was just really helpful in seeing what he was doing all around the world. Because sometimes when you live in, in Washington State, you can easily just get focused on what's what's around you and yeah. not mm-hmm. really realizing what's going on mm-hmm. in the rest of the world. Yeah. So I really enjoy that perspectives course mm-hmm. through that I took through Bethel. And I would encourage anyone. <laughs> I always tell people in Bolivia that if they could take perspectives, they should. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's only just for North Americans, but even for Christians throughout the world. Yeah. And actually, by the way, just a quick plug, Perspectives is coming. It's actually returning. It's been away for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's returning to Tri-Cities. And we're partnering with area churches to um, not only host, which we'll be hosting in the future. This year, we're not hosting Reliance Fellowship. Just down the road from Bethel Richland is hosting this year. But we are strongly, strongly encouraging people to take perspectives. Emery, could you speak to just, I mean, what is it about perspectives? If somebody is going, hey, there's a course that's out there, it's in our area, and it was a game changer for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is the secret sauce to perspectives, would you say? I think that one of the really big important things is that sometimes when you think about missions, you think about like the support. And so oh, I want to go help and help with these people that are that are in poverty, or I want to help. And we just sometimes get focused on the the physical needs. Mm. And one thing that I really like about perspectives is how it takes you back to this is for God's glory. Mm. So if you're just motivated by by one hurting person, that's not Mm going to be a lasting motivation. And if I go to Bolivia and I'm trying to help all these people, you'll get tired. You'll Mm -hmm. get overwhelmed. So if you forget why you're there and how it's God's mission and you're just getting to be a part of that. Mm. It's a privilege for me to get to be a part of what God's doing, to be a part of how He uses me to bless others because mm. He could choose to use everyone and He mm-hmm. does. He could use anyone, but He allows me to be part of what He's doing. And um, I think perspective and just remembering how it's God's mission and how we can be a part in in North America and, and in other parts of the world as well. Mm. That's awesome. That's a great word. I mean, that's so much of what we want more people to understand and be a part of. And even when we send short-term teams, you know, Mm -hmm. it's about getting to see what God is doing around the world and the parts that we get to play. So that's wonderful that that's what you learned from it. And we hope more people will take advantage and learn that as well. Yeah. I like to say that short-term trips are a discipleship microwave. Yes. And I, I don't know where I heard that. I stole it from somebody, and I can't remember who, so it originated with me. But um, there are there are certain things, right? Short-term trips are those discipleship microwaves. Mm-hmm. It sounds like perspectives, and I've been to the to the to the introductory course. I've never taken it myself. I would love to take it in the future, um, but it sounds like it's one of those discipleship microwaves, right? Yeah, it, if you take it for, for a certificate, it does take a lot of work because there's yeah. a lot of reading and a lot of homework, but I just love that. And I think that you can also just take the courses, which is helpful as well. But if you really have the time to do the homework, to read all that there is to read in the book, you can really gain a lot from it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you take that course, which everyone just heard, it's available and it's also incredibly dangerous because you (laughs) might end up in places like Bolivia. (laughs) And so not that Bolivia isn't beautiful, but you ended up in Bolivia, Anne-Marie. And so, um, yeah, so you took that course, right? And then, man, you are... you're. Your perspective, no pun intended, is is elevated, right? You see mm-hmm. yourself as a global citizen. You mm-hmm. you see that you get to participate in this grand mission of God in the world. So why Bolivia? So I actually was really hoping to be able to just go for I thought what I thought was going to be one year in order to learn better the culture and learn Spanish better in order to come back up here to the Tri Cities and serve with those migrant communities that I'd mm. been working with. 
So that was really what I thought was going <laughs> to be my plan was just to be there for one year. And then there were a couple of different things I think that God used to show me how here in Tri-Cities and here in Washington, there is so much need and there is lots to be done in those kind of communities. But there's also lots of lots of people in churches who can reach out and go to their next door neighbor, who can serve teaching teaching English in a community. And when I was in Bolivia, I just saw how while there are local churches as well, there just weren't as many people that were that were that knew about going out and serving their neighbor and being light in those kind of places. And so for example, one time I was up here and my family did foster care. So I kind of grew up around the foster care system. And I went to one of the meetings for, for a young girl who'd been in our home for a while. And there were 16 different social workers, support people in this room yeah. helping her. And, and that was awesome. I was so glad that there were so many people just surrounding her. And then, I, and she had twins at the time. And then I went to Bolivia and same, same aged young girl. Also, I just had twins. And there was no one around wow. her. Mm-hmm. And I just could kind of see the difference in there is absolutely need up here. Mm-hmm. But there is also need in Bolivia. And if I can go to Bolivia and, and feel comfortable in the culture and learn the language, then then I felt like that was really God confirming mm-hmm. in me that that he wanted me to be overseas for mm-hmm. the long term. Mm-hmm. So Wow. Yeah. It's good. Well, there are there are certainly needs everywhere, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some. There's just something about urgent needs mm-hmm. where there are. Um, we've we've been talking as a church about um, just looking at communities that we're calling gospel destitute. That there's just really no evangelical Bible teaching, gospel centered kind of presence yeah. in those towns and communities. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just curious, like in Bolivia, um, I mean, what is the state of the church there as far as evangelical, whatever that means today, but like yeah. gospel-centered Bible teaching, you know, churches and Bible-believing believers that are there? That That is a really, really great question. And I would say that's actually kind of been on my heart since, mm. for a long time, but especially since November of 2019, there just became a, a big desire on my heart to know more about the local church and to study kind of the reality of the believers because I'd been walking alongside these these street families and our absolute desire was that they would get plugged into local churches. We just wanted to be the bridge so that they could come off of the streets, learn a little about about Jesus, and then begin going to church to have that Mm. supportive community. And it was just kind of concerning me how how it was a challenge to find Mm. local churches that these families could become a part of Mm. and how it was just a challenge with Mm. the Christians in in Santa Cruz that I was noticing. So that's kind of what I began to become curious about is mm. what is the state of Christianity in Latin America? Mm. Because Latin America has been receiving missionaries since the 18, the 1890s, yeah. right? <laughs> so this is a continent that's had a large missionary force for over a hundred years. So there are lots of strong Christian evangelical churches. Um, before, I would say about in the 1980s, is when the percentage of evangelical Christians really just started growing. Mm. So in Latin America, they say it's about 19% now evangelical. That really depends on the country because there's Mm -hmm. obviously some countries that have more Mm -hmm. and countries that have less. But compared to what has been in the last century, this century actually has a lot of evangelical Mm. Christians. And yet the gospel and Bible-believing churches are are not as easy to find. Mm. So there are definitely 
Christians and pastors who have a heart for the Bible and who really do love God. But as you said, Santa Cruz has 3 million people. Mm -hmm. So that is a big, a big city. And um, just a few churches isn't enough for for a big city. So there, so there's a growing need to work with some of those local churches who are maybe, who maybe were strong like 40 years ago, but as the generation changes, there's less, less younger people. And there's just more of a shift in combining Christian beliefs with with other with other beliefs, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty sad, but that's kind of what I've been seeing in in the church yeah. in these last couple of yeah. years. Yeah, and it happens in every church, right? Yeah. In every mm-hmm. country, right? Yep. It is taking the pure gospel and combining it with kind of some other cultural stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had been working with El Hordan for the last eight or so years, mm-hmm. and then you started to have this passion for looking more at the Latin American church. So then that ended up leading you to kind of shift ministries along with a life change that happened, right? So (laughs) can you share with us a little bit about this life change and the ministry shift that you are now doing? Yeah, absolutely. So a very big life change is that I actually got married in April to Juan Pablo Guardia. So Juan Pablo is from Santa Cruz and we met through ministry. So kind of from serving alongside each other, we began to realize how how God was bringing us together and, and now to be able to serve together in ministry with Avant. So as this passion was growing in my heart for the local church, at the time, I didn't really know why, or I just wasn't sure what God was going to do with that, because I didn't really know of any other ministries at the time that had that kind of focus. So as I began to study and learn, Avant also had combined with a new ministry called Camino Global. And in this combination, we got a whole lot more of missionaries in Latin America, missionaries that had a focus on Latin America. And so then a new department within Avant began forming, which is called Global Engagement. And Global Engagement really has a heart for equipping and training the church in the global South. So right now, starting in Latin America, um, to be able to be part of what God is doing in the world. So working with those churches so that they can have more of an idea of missions Mm. and send both local and global missionaries. Mm. So that's the ministry that I'm now joining and I'll now be a part of together with Juan Pablo. That's yeah, awesome. and what role does Juan Pablo play within that, within global engagement? So Juan Pablo is a videographer, mm-hmm. and that's what he's been doing for the last couple of years in Santa Cruz. And now he'll be working with Avant to make all of their media and video production areas. Mm-hmm. So that is awesome. throughout Latin America, that's what he's <laughs> that's what he's been doing and what he'll be able to continue mm-hmm. doing with Avant. Very cool. Well, I, I know that you have a heart for the Latin American church, the people. It sounds like you're a student. Right yeah. of just kind of what's going on there. You have that perspective. Um, I'm just kind of curious. So as you're back in the states and you see what's happening globally, you see what's happening even in the church in America. I'm, I'm just curious mm-hmm. since you've been away for a while. Um, yeah, what do you see as the state of the church maybe in America? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you have any observations that you'd be willing to share mm-hmm. with us? Is you're kind of bringing some fresh eyes back to America. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good question and not an easy one. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that a lot has been brought to the light because of COVID. And so mm. there was just a lot of changes happening in the church and a lot less people sometimes in the church. Mm. And one of the things that I think has been really important for me in my time in Bolivia is especially just remembering what does God say is of first importance? Mm. I think so many times we can get focused on on other things that take yeah. our eyes off of what is is of first and primary importance, mm. which is which is Jesus, which is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen it happen in Bolivia where that can just cause divisions between families, between churches. 
And, and I think that that's also a concern of mine for the church in, in North America, mm-hmm. that we would become distracted by, mm-hmm. by our culture, distracted by these times, mm-hmm. and, and take our eyes off, off, of, off of the Bible and off of God. And so I think one of my, one of my desires for the church of, of America would just be to really, truly stay in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes we can do five minutes in the Word and then, and then be done and not think mm-hmm. about it for the rest of the yeah. day. And I know for how me, it's been so impactful to just sit with with the Bible, with my journal, and and remember who God is, who He says that I am, and just kind of what He says about the world. Mm-hmm. What is His perspective of the church? What does He call us to do? Mm-hmm. And and just to remember that and dwell on that and memorize His Word so that mm-hmm. that's what's in my mind. Um, that's just been so important and impactful mm-hmm. for me. And I would hope, and I know that that's how God works in others as well. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emery, what, um, so you're moving into this new ministry. You guys are, it sounds like you are, you're, you're kind of pioneers in, right, this new endeavor. So I'm curious as kind of this pioneer entrepreneur looking at what could be, mm-hmm. could you share with us some of your hopes and dreams for what this ministry could mm-hmm. be? Yeah. I think, as you say, it's a new thing. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to know before we actually get into it what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. But I've also just seen God's faithfulness in moving my heart with this passion before I even knew what was going to come about. Mm-hmm. So so I just also know that He's already going before us in this ministry, and He has a plan for Latin America. Mm-hmm. One of kind of the realities of global missions is that almost 50% of missionaries are now coming from the global south. Mm-hmm. So about 50% wow. come from North America and Europe, and then about 50% are coming from these global south countries, mm-hmm. Brazil, the Philippines, really being big senders and missionaries. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I think that that is a reality of what God is doing. And it's so beautiful because these unreached areas that you were talking about, which is one third of the world, yeah. one third of the world still does not have access to a Bible in their language. They don't know anyone who's a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that's a really large percentage mm-hmm. of people. And as North Americans, we don't have all that we need to reach those countries because God is bringing together this whole global force with people from, mm-hmm. from Latin America, from Asia, from Africa, in order to reach, I believe, in order to reach mm-hmm. these unreached areas mm-hmm. that are hard to reach. Mm-hmm. That's why they're unreached. Yeah. <laughs> they're in the hardest to reach areas with really difficult languages. And um, so I'm excited to see just how God brings together mi- missionaries mm-hmm. from Latin America in order to continue reaching these unreached areas. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that I get to be a part of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, um, Aaron, I'm going to turn it over to you. I, I'm just curious, as we kind of wrap this up, um, people may be interested in connecting with Anne-Marie, so mm-hmm. maybe you can share how to stay connected with you. Mm-hmm. But Aaron, can you also give us just some some ideas, some thoughts, some mm-hmm. stirrings that may be happening just listening to this about, and how can I be connected to what's going mm-hmm. on globally, and how is Bethel connected globally? Yeah, those are good questions. Uh, if anyone's watching the news these days, there's a lot going on globally. Yeah. It's uh, difficult to watch right now. Um, but so we're just continuing to try to be faithful and playing our part and connecting with these partners that we've already had in existence. Um, we've got the earthquake that just happened in Haiti and, you know, staying in touch with our partner there and making sure we know what they're doing. Um, but then also uh, seeing the people who are uh, responding to the relief efforts as well. Um, I think just continuing to always pray, it sounds, I feel like sometimes we can think, oh, it's just prayer or, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do more. And 
But really, prayer is the most like powerful and effective thing we can do, and it's something we can all do. We might not all be able to go to these places that are facing such hardship, but we can pray for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's what we need to remember to keep in mind on a daily basis Mm -hmm. is to be praying for all these places that are dealing with these devastating times um, and recommend praying regularly for our partners and missionaries. And if you don't know who they all are, we do have... um, some of them listed on our website at the Bethel.ch slash global. And we'll be getting that updated to make sure that you all can see who, who we are supporting so that you can regularly be in prayer. You can also always email at global at Bethel.ch and I'll be happy to get you more info to be able to get connected. If there's a certain area that is starting to spark your interest mm-hmm. or you're starting to think about like what role maybe God is asking you to play in missions. Um, like we talked about perspectives. That's a great way to start yeah. is to look into perspectives and we can get you more info on that. Um, and then with Anne Marie and Juan Pablo, you know, just be praying for them, especially through this transition time. Um, and if you are being tugged in your heart to support them financially, we do so as a church, but now that they're married, they are raising more support to be able to have the joint support, uh, financial base. So you can also, you know, support them in that way. Um, and then hopefully they'll be able to come back up in the future and we can meet Juan Pablo. Unfortunately, awesome. he couldn't get his visa in time for yeah. this visit, but we look forward to being able to have them both come back up and then awesome. people can interact with them again when they come together. Very cool. Yeah. And Marie, if they want to reach out to you, should they go through Aaron or do you have a direct way for folks to reach out to you? So I do have an email address, but it's it might be kind of tricky to understand since my last name is Nekadam. And sometimes people don't necessarily know how to spell Nekadam. <laughs> but I think through Aaron also yeah. would be a great way to get in contact with me. We're in frequent contact. And so <laughs> if you want to know more about my ministry, mm-hmm. I have newsletters that I do send out on a regular basis. And so if you get me your contact information through Aaron, then I can sign you up for those newsletters or, yeah, get you with any more information about missions, about Latin America, and and anything like that. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you guys for being with us today on The Deeper Dive. And I told you there were some special guests here, and I (laughs) know it was a special uh, time of being together. I hope that you were blessed by it. Uh, Once again, if you want any more information on what Bethel is doing globally, uh, go to Bethel.ch slash global, Mm -hmm. and that page will be updated. And uh, if you're asking about how is Bethel responding to what's going on globally, whether that's Haiti or um, praying for Afghanistan, all kinds of mm-hmm. things determined uh, based upon when you're listening to this, what's mm-hmm. going on globally. Um, you can always stay connected to us through our website. So mm-hmm. thanks again for being with us. We'll see you next week on The Deeper Dive. Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we'd love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week.